0: Welcome to PCTY Talks, a new podcast from the human capital management software provider, Paylocity. I'm your host, Sherry Simpson, and as an HR program manager at Paylocity, I will be navigating our journey together as we explore bite-sized topics around HR thought leadership, compliance, diversity and inclusion, and product knowledge. If you have an idea for a future podcast topic, please drop me a note at PCTYTalks at Paylocity.com. On today's episode, I've invited back our Director of Government Relations, Corinne Tyrone, to talk about the complexities involved in worker classification. Corinne, thanks again for joining me today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So today we are going to talk about worker classification. It seems like every person I talk to today has a side hustle of some sort. It's either a passion project or it's just a way to make a little extra cash on the side. Um, In fact, I just saw a LinkedIn commercial today that talked about their hiring practices and that one of the persons they hired, he was really excited to work there because he could work on his passion project of becoming a chef. So it's very current out there as far as these different roles that employees are taking. Um, so companies are trying to make sure that they're classifying people correctly. Are they a contractor? Are they an employee? Are they an employee? are they full- time part time? You know, what's really the difference between those things, employee and, and contractor?
1: So that's that's kind of a loaded question in today's landscape. Um, and the answer is going to depend a lot on who you're asking. Um, in a nutshell, an employee is hired by a company to perform a specific function and at the direction of the employer. They have specific duties and um, you know key performance objectives, the kinds of things that we all have in our jobs, and they also have certain protections due to their employment status, including things like an offer of affordable health care if they work at an applicable large employer, um, paid sick leave if that's required in their jurisdiction, workers' compensation, and uh, so on. On the other hand, an independent contractor is typically a person with some unique skill set that they use to run their own business, like your example of the chef. Um, If that person runs their own side business catering, someone might contract them to cater a party, but then they're not going to be continuing to work with them. So an independent contractor has a lot more discretion than an employee in how they execute on whatever objectives they've been given. Typically, they're bringing some unique expertise that is outside of the normal scope of work for the organization. And um, they're usually just contracting with them on a limited basis. So that sounds pretty simple, right? But the reason I said this is a loaded question is that there are a lot of business models popping up in the gig economy that rely on independent contractors, and there's been a lot of pushback about whether or not those workers are properly classified. So, for example, today um, I used a rideshare company to get here from the airport. Um, Those drivers are considered independent contractors, but it's a little bit... um, It's a little bit difficult to make the argument that I just made about those individuals because driving isn't typically considered a unique skill set. It's not really outside the scope of a rideshare company's usual course of business. It's exactly their usual course of business. So because of this, rideshare companies and similar businesses have garnered a lot of attention from legislators who are questioning the way that they're classifying the people that work for them. So we're starting to see something of a paradigm shift um, where lawmakers are taking a really hard line as to what qualifies someone as an independent contractor so that those workers in those states are getting the protections that they need.
0: So with those criteria, how what's what's the cheat sheet for employers to make sure they're classifying correctly? Um, I think that again, kind of depends
1: on your location. So I would recommend reviewing the statutory requirements in the state that your worker is actually performing the service. Many states have really specific standards that must be met if they're going if an employer is going to deem someone an independent contractor. So um, one thing that's really topical right now is that California recently codified a very stringent standard um, that will make most, Most traditional independent contractors, um, still contractors, but all those people in that gig economy that I just talked about will probably have to be classified as employees now. Um, Under that law, which is effective on 1-1 of 20, an employer needs to be able to establish three things in order to classify a worker as an independent contractor. That worker needs to be free from the control and direction of the hirer in connection with the performance of the work. So we talked about that a little bit earlier, which is kind of, they have a lot more discretion generally. That worker needs to perform work that is outside of the usual scope of business for the hiring entity. So again, a driver for a ride share company maybe doesn't qualify here. Um, That worker also needs to be customarily engaged in an independently established trade, occupation, or business that is of the same nature of the work that they're performing. So um, that's very specific, and an employer has to be able to prove all three of those things in order to classify someone as an independent contractor. Um, The reason that I'm going into such detail on this one specific state is that 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 bill garnered so much attention nationwide and we're already seeing other lawmakers say that they're going to be using that as a model. So I think that we're going to see other states following suit and implementing that that specific test, which is kind of conversationally called the
0: ABC test um, across multiple states now. Does it really matter if employers get it wrong? So I've worked for companies where what you've described, even in your rideshare example, right? Those are independent contractors. Maybe they should be employees. What's the big deal if they get it wrong?
1: So it's actually a really big deal if you get it wrong, especially right now, Um, I think more than it looks like on the surface. So first, there are intangible reasons. So those are things that you're probably really familiar with, like company culture, by which I mean, if you have a lot of independent contractors that really should be employees, none of those people are getting the protections and the benefits that they deserve. And that can be really damaging to morale and to company culture then there are very tangible reasons that this could be damaging to your organization. And that can be anything from failure to accurately comply with employment tax requirements, wage and hour violations, and then those things can lead to possible lawsuits and maybe even class action lawsuits um, in states like California. So technically, if a worker should have been classified as an employee and then they were not, if some sort of legal action or audit surfaces, that employer may then owe back wages, back taxes, penalty and interest on those late tax deposits, and, and so on. So it can have kind of a, a snowball effect and become really messy really fast.
0: Wow. So as companies are looking at designing their workforce, what are the pros and cons then of choosing you know, employees over independent contractors? How should they be thinking about that design?
1: So um, I think we've touched on some of these areas a little bit already, but I would really always advise employers to think about what they need to accomplish and what kind of a relationship needs to exist in order to get that done. So there can be a lot of pros to hiring a contractor if the situation calls for it. You can get someone with really specific skills and expertise, and they can take care of this limited one-time need for you or your organization without adding permanent headcount if it's not really necessary for you to do so. Um, That also obviously comes with some financial benefits because the employer in this situation wouldn't be providing them with a lot of the perks that are provided to employees, such as health insurance, retirement plans, um, and, and things of that nature, paid leave and so on. But again, this is only going to work in your favor if they're properly classified as an independent contractor. If it's not a proper classification, that's going to lead to this whole cascade of um, legal and financial ramifications that we just talked about.
0: What resources can employers use to make sure that they're classifying people correctly and navigating, you know, potentially the changes that are going to cascade out from the ABC that you mentioned? So
1: I think um, the first place to start is always just look at actually what is classifying classified as an independent contractor in your state. So typically, if you go out to your state DOL website, they're going to tell you exactly what the test is. And if there is no state-specific test, they'll tell you to refer to the IRS's test or to the Department of Labor's test. And then you can actually use that information to help guide your analysis. So look at what that test says, look at each one of the elements of the test and think about your situation. And then if you're looking at it and you don't know, I think it's, today it's best to just consult somebody, ask somebody, talk to um, you know whoever is your HR business partner or whatever professional you need to talk to within the organization or seek outside counsel because in this situation,
0: it's better to be cautious Awesome. Well, Corinne, thank you so much for joining me again today and we look forward to some more topics in the future. Thanks so much.